Well, it was her 60th wedding anniversary, and all the family was gathering around this elderly couple who had built really an empire. They started out with a farm, and it had uh, traversed into all kinds of different businesses and, and efforts. And every one of the members of the family was a contributing member of this, really, corporation. And so everybody was excited to get together, all 40 of them, and, and their, the, the younger children as well. But uh, mom and dad were a little upset because everyone was at odds with each other. And it seemed like their family had become every man for himself. And so uh, grandfather decided he would teach them something. So as they came over, he said, all right, I want everybody to take one of these balloons. They were all out in the backyard. They were going to have a big barbecue. And he said, I want everybody to take one of these balloons and blow it up and take a Sharpie and write your name on it. And then I want you to leave it here and uh, run around the house and come back and find your balloon. And they said, are you serious? He said, yeah, I'm serious. And so they did it. And he said, oh, by the way, he said, if you can find your balloon in 15 minutes, then I'm going to write you a big check. The first person to find their balloon in 15 minutes. I'll write you a big check. Went around the house, came back, and in 15 minutes, no one had found his balloon. Because, I mean, there was sabotage going on. I mean, it was, it was every man for himself. And the balloons were going every which way, and they were trying to find when they found, you know, somebody who belonged to somebody else's, they'd toss that over that way, you know, behind a bush or whatever. And it, it was just crazy. And he said, okay, it was 15 minutes, nobody found a balloon. So, new rules. If... It, if you can give, if you can uh, all have your own balloon in 10 seconds, if everybody has their balloon in 10 seconds, everybody gets a big check. And he said, all you have to do is take the balloon that's closest to you and give it to the person whose name is written on it. And in 10 seconds, everybody had their balloon. God is serious about us being together and in a certain way. And there's some things he will only do when we get together. I want you to see as I finish out this series, looking at James chapter 5. If you can spot all of the places where you and I can find wisdom in the counsel of many. From the word of God, James chapter 5, starting with verse 13. Would you open your Bibles, follow along? We're going to go through this, but let's hear from God this morning. James 13 through the end. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has has committed any sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, 
and the earth bore fruit. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. May God bless us through this, his holy word. Let us pray. God, help us to see what we might even prefer not to see, that we may become all you have called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. It's hard to receive help sometimes, isn't it? It's hard to admit we need people around us. But even if you go solo camping, think of all the equipment you need, even the clothes on your back. We are always relying on other people. How much more should the church, called to be one body, set the tone for community? How much more should we, in gathering together, show the world what it looks like to show wisdom, to gain wisdom in the counsel of many? This morning... I want to walk back through this passage and show you how that there are some things that God only reveals when we come together in trust. There are some things that God only reveals when we come together in trust. When we come together in trust, when we find wisdom in the counsel of many, he helps us find things he'll only reveal when we come together. Mind things. That he'll reveal only when we come together and bind things. Find it, mind it, and bind it. That's where we're going. Let's take a look. First, in the wisdom of the counsel of many, when we come together in trust, God helps us find things we might not otherwise have found. To discover. You know, when God created all things, what did he call it? He called it good. And when he had finished, he, he called it very good. Isn't it amazing, some of the discoveries, when we put our mind to it? It's incredible how quickly uh, we cured the common cold. Did you know that? I mean, it's amazing how that vaccine that was developed had been worked on for decades, and then all of a sudden the world came together, and it's incredible. Sometimes there's something. See, what what James is pointing out is that some of what God is, is showing us as a church is wired into creation. And so what we're discovering, what we discover together only when we come together, if God has created us for one another, there are some things we're only going to find when we come together collaborating, collaborating. You you notice in verse 13 it says, is anyone among you suffering? Is anyone among you sick? Among you. You know, if you go back to the, this is one of these original language things that where, where there's a little bit lost in translation. The word is in, and it's E-N in, uh, in Koine Greek, and in, it's translated into English. It's very complicated. It's called in, <laughs> I-N, okay? N is in, in English. Is anyone in you, in you? You know, throughout the book of Ephesians, the letter of Ephesians, uh, it says, if you are in Christ, over and over again, it says, in Christ, in Christ. And then it says, is anyone in you, in and among you, in you? The presumption here is that when, when James, brother Jesus, is speaking to the church, he's speaking to 
a collective. He's speaking to people who identify with one another so much that he would phrase it that way. There are a lot of other ways he could have phrased it. He could have used a different word for among. That would have been much more the prevalent word for among. Is anyone around you? Or is anyone in, you know, in your fellowship? He's just saying, in you. Is anyone in you? In your fellowship? In the ident- those who identify together in- as a church? There's a common identity, you see? There's a presumption of an identity of one. All for one, one for all. You know, there's some things that God only reveals. And we can discover. And, and it says, you know, is anyone cheerful? Is anyone sorrowful? Now think about that for a minute. Uh, we are made to, to enjoy life together, to celebrate life together. It's incredible to me. Uh, have you noticed how Neil Diamond has gotten legs again? I mean, Neil Diamond? Seriously? Oh, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Go watch a football game and listen to what breaks out. Sweet Caroline. I mean, almost every football game you watch, the, you know, students are singing, Sweet Caroline, are you serious? That's Neil Diamond, okay? I mean, he was cheesy back when he was popular. But we're singing him again. Why? Because everybody wants to sing the same song. Everybody wants to come together and celebrate. Everybody wants to say, we're together. We're having a great time. This is awesome. You know, I mean, everybody wants to sing on the same page of the Psalter. Sing from the same page of the hymn book. James is speaking to a people who identify with each other, who know the same songs. They, They look to the Psalter and... They know the history there, and it has become resonant in them. And so he's calling them also to bear one another's burdens. And see, there's some things we can only discover. You see, we discover beauty in lament. We discover beauty in celebration. We discover things that we would not otherwise, melodies that we might not otherwise have discovered. Beauties that God created from the foundations of the earth. I love this. Uh, Get back is the is the new Peter Jackson uh, endeavor. You know, he's the one who did the Tolkien series, uh, Lord of the Rings, and now he's doing this thing on the Beatles. It's a it's a documentary, and you know it, it shows you can see Paul McCartney and John Lennon working together, uh, and, and and George and Ringo in there too. I mean, you can see the collaborative work. You know. When I think about the volume of melodies, sometimes I I listen to one of these Beatles melodies and I think, how did you come up with that? It's just incredible. Some of these melodies are amazing. I mean, like, um, you you know, you think of of, of some of George Harrison's melodies that he came up with. Um, You know, Here Comes the Sun. I mean, you know, all of a sudden, y'all are just singing in your head, doot and doo I mean, I, it, I, all I have to say is, here comes the song. And, and you've got it, and it's, it, and it's, and it's powerful that, to, to discover. See, it's a discovery as much as it is a creation. And I dare say, if it weren't for the collaboration, there would not be those melodies. You can see how... Paul and, and John are helping George figure this out. I mean, he, he, he's, he's, he's trying to figure out the melody of something in the way she moves. And he says, 
You know, she attracts me like uh, pomegranate. She doesn't know, he doesn't know what else to put in there. So he puts in something from the Song of Solomon. Yeah, that's right. That's what he said. He said that. It's right from the Bible. He's quoting the Bible. Okay, that was a really good joke, but y'all aren't in it. Which is probably good because it's sort of R-rated. That's an R-rated joke. But you see what's happening here is, here is George in this, in this beginning of this. Uh, you know, George and I know each other real well, so I just call him George. But here he is just trying to create something. And they're saying, there's a principle here. Just throw in something that, that, um, you, you know, that doesn't even make sense until it comes. And they're helping him. There's collaboration. See, there's some things we can only discover. They're beauties. There's solutions that we can only discover when we come together. Let me ask you this morning. As we go at each point, I want to ask you a, a tough question. Are there places where you're competing where you should be collaborating? Are you chasing your balloon? Or are you clearly positioning your gifts to help others find theirs? There's some things. Wisdom of the Council of Many. That God will only reveal when we come together in trust. Sometimes he helps us find it. Second, sometimes he helps us mind it. Mind it. In other words, accountability. When you mind something, right? You obey something. You, you fu- fulfill something. You follow through on something. Sometimes he helps us mind it. When, when in wisdom and the counsel of many, there are some ways that we can only grow. When we, when we grow with a trusted few, when we cultivate trust among a trusted few. It says in verse 16, confess your sins to one another. So I want to try this this morning. Um, uh, Will you turn to your neighbor and... uh, (laughs) You're getting nervous. You should. All right. So turn to your neighbor. No, no, I'm I'm totally joking. We're not going to do that. Now, I, I don't like being in a worship service where they say... Uh, turn to your neighbor and say, hey, neighbor, uh, you know, and then you're supposed to say something and parrot it back. But what if, what if you were called to confess your sins to one another right now? How would that go? Which one would you choose? Oh, well, I, 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 I just sort of told part of the truth, right? That's the one you'd, you'd pick. You wouldn't pick the tough one. So what's he saying? Confess your sins to one another. What's that about? Imagine the kind of friend, the kind of trust, the kind of fellowship, the kind of small group where if you did confess your sins, you knew it was in a lockbox. Imagine the kind of fellowship, koinonia, where... power to overcome them the next time. Imagine the kind of relationships and the kind of cultivated trust where if you did confess your sins to one another, you wouldn't be betrayed. In a a couple of weeks, my five best friends from college are going to be here. They're going to be right here. And uh, I thought about maybe putting them up here and doing like interview. But uh, they wondered why I moved to South Georgia, and I just said, well, come on down and see. 
And so they're going to spend the weekend here. And uh, these, are, these are folks that uh, over the last 30 years, we've cultivated trust. Uh, we started Bible study in uh, our freshman year in college. We've done a lot of life together. We've persevered, right? Now, there's a lot behind that, right? In 30 years, a lot of... Um, I, I was thinking lately about um, people who get hurt by the church. And it's not a light matter for me if somebody gets hurt by the church. I want them to come here and find a place where they can heal. I want them to come here and find a place where they can find trusted relationships. I want them to come here and be surprised by the level of compassion. But... I also, so you understand where I'm coming from when I make this little quip here. Uh, If somebody said to me, uh, I was hurt by the church, I might think to myself, well, that happens to me a couple times a week. If you're exposed to human nature, you're going to bump into it. Now, I like the way some people persevere in relationships among a trusted few than the way others don't. We're called together. God is serious about us being together. He's serious about, about us cultivating trust. You know why? Because there's some things he'll only do to help us mind it, right? This is about minding it. This is about accountability. There's some things he'll only do when we cultivate trust among a few. And we say, wisdom the council of many. Well, let's just start with a few, a small group, a place where you can cultivate trust. You know, otherwise, this is the way we live the Christian life. It's like Bill Murray in Groundhog Day, right? It's amazing. I could watch that movie again, even though that movie's about the same day over and over again, right? I mean, it's a great movie, but, but what's happening there is he's living the same day over and over and over again, and I think some of us are living Groundhog Day Christian lives. Because why? Because we don't really mind it. It's not really getting in. We're affirming it. We're saying the Apostles' Creed. We're saying, yes, I affirm this. I believe this. And let's, yeah, I checked the box and went to church. But are you really letting the experience of grace get in where it really matters in places where you have not let it, let it in I've been praying the same thing every week God help us to see what we would prefer uh, not to see so that we can become what you've called us to be how's that going to happen unless he reveals to us the places where we need to grow in grace trusting him in grace by starting with a trusted few confess your sins to one another that you may have the power to mind it. And finally, when we come together in trust, when we find wisdom in the counsel of many because we've gathered in trust, there are some things that he'll do to bind up the wounds of the brokenhearted that otherwise he might not do. Because you are an instrument of peace because he's called us to this place. He's serious about us cultivating the kind of community that inspires the world, that inspires our community to do things differently, even in disagreement, and to see when people are hurting the church come together in ways that otherwise the world cannot provide is a powerful witness. Over the last three days, I will have done three memorial services. And I want you to think about those families for just a minute. There are a couple of different things that God will do when we come together and pray as 
as it says. You know, is anybody hurting among you? If anybody suffering, let them pray. Let them call the elders of the church, and they will come together and anoint them with oil. And so let's think about that for a minute. Let's think about these families. Let's think about what their prayers have been like over the last season. Let's think about the outward signs of God's inward presence and healing. What does God do? There are a couple of different things that he does when we come together. You know, here, James is really alluding to Mark 2. He's alluding to that scene where, uh, you know, the, 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 the paralytic is being carried by four different guys. I think of them as four different guys. And they tear off the roof and they, they kind of lower them down and, and get right into this meeting. And Jesus is there. And, and Jesus has said, take heart, friend. Your sins are forgiven. And, you know, here these guys are taking this big risk and, like, torn the roof off of this place. And like, uh-oh, your sins are forgiven. Is that all we're getting? I mean, we thought we'd get, you know, some, something bigger than that, some miracle, right? When we, and then what does Jesus say? See, he confronts something. Pretty important. And James is bringing it up. Jesus says, what's, what's harder to do? Make somebody walk or forgive their sins? The part or the whole? You see? You see? What's harder to do? Well, in our lived experience where we measure everything, where everything's under our control, under this human realm, we think, well, of course, the big thing, if we're really faithful and really praying hard enough, we all come together, then, of course, the big thing to happen is he's going to get up and walk. And Jesus is saying, eventually, he's going to die. What about the whole of him? What about his soul? What about eternity? You know, sometimes I think that we think it's a bigger prayer when we kind of put the coins in and, you know, we're at the vending machine and we, we select, we, we look down and we want those potato chips and we see K and then 8 and we punch in K and 8 and as long as I push the right buttons on that vending machine, then I'm going to get what I want. And sometimes we think a prayer that way and that if we didn't, do it, then maybe we didn't say the right words or we didn't have enough faith. But see, when we come together, like at one of our healing services, it's a powerful thing to see people come together to discern what is the will of God in this situation. C.S. Lewis said that our trouble in prayer is that sometimes we pray for two plus two, not to equal four. Is that a faithful prayer? Lord, make two plus two equal five. When, when, when one of us is hurting and we come together around them, we're helping them by faith come to terms with what's going on in reality and what's really needed. We're saying God is not surprised by these circumstances. He's sovereign over them. And how can we help you? Be faithful in your prayer. Seek his will and ultimately to be healed in one of our healing services i mean it's 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 amazing because we hadn't done this before and and a couple of years ago we started this and and we will anoint people with oil and you think well, that's kind of strange well we have baptism this isn't a sacrament but we have baptism we have communion and there are all kinds of outward signs of our inward trust and it's pretty amazing to see uh, some of our younger elders in particular who've never really been in that setting and they're feeling awkward and they're feeling uncomfortable and they're not sure what's going to happen, but in trust, they're coming together. 
and they're taking a little bit of oil and they're putting it on somebody's hand and they're saying, how would you like me to pray for you? And they're saying, this is how I feel like I want God to move in this situation. And sometimes when they're saying it out loud, maybe for the first time, they're recognizing that sometimes what they're saying is, I want two plus two not to equal four. And they're coming together to discern what is going on. How does faith help us to face what's really going on? Where do we find transcendent strength that we maybe bind up the wounds of the brokenhearted? Yeah. See, if we always think we have to get the thing that we prayed for, then maybe we have a vending machine and not a God. But sometimes, the second thing that God does when we come together to pray for those who are suffering is sometimes we just help them be bold in their prayer and to pray what's in them and not what's supposed to be in them. To pray what they really, really desire and let together, coming around them, let the results, whether God moves in, 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 a, in a visible way or whether God draws them deeper into satisfying their deepest needs of their life by being there with them himself. We help people be bold with their faith and let the results rest on trust and we stand there with them. And Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, what? Where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst. Ultimately, there, ultimately, there's some things that are too big for this world to satisfy. Only God, only God can meet that need. How is our fellowship helping us reorient life around Him rather than chasing our own balloon? in terms of what our life's work is doing, whether we're competing or collaborating, in terms of who we're letting in, whether we're cultivating the kind of community where we can truly be honest and confess our sin, and where we're standing by, bearing one another's burdens, and letting the results fall upon faith. Let's pray together. Gracious God, our Heavenly Father, how we thank you that you are equal to our needs. And we pray for your counsel. You've promised, Lord. You've said that there, there, there's some things that when we come together in prayer, they're just too deep for us to even express in words. But the Spirit intercedes with groanings too, too much for the English language. Lord, thank you for being faithful through the to see us gather together as a church this morning. To lend our strength to partnerships in the coming week. To gather around families who are grieving today. The rest of the world gives, the rest of the world gives us about two weeks to grieve and just about the time we're waking up to the loss 
everyone has moved on. But we, your church, would be present with one another. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together for the closing song.